0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of I Give That 10 Minutes. It's me Davier. hope you're well. Thanks for taking the time to press play. Thanks for listening to me, thanks for supporting me. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy day to give me a little listen. I do appreciate it. It goes without saying, you know, the support I've been receiving has been gratefully received and it's why I'm still doing this. But enough about all the reasons why, you all know by now. The reason we're together today is because I would like to discuss yet another movie that I've seen During my time away from the podcast, I said on previous episodes I've had time to look at a few films that I devoted some time to, with me taking a little break from the podcast it gave me a chance to watch some films and get some opinions, and it's why I'm here today just to voice my own opinion on this latest movie I've seen. Movie in question is 2023's Knock at the Cabin, a film that really piqued my interest being that it was directed by M. Night Shyamalan obviously famous for movies such as The Sixth Sense, Signs and The Village. I only mentioned those three particular ones because admittedly they're the only other M. Night Shyamalan films I've seen. So yeah, I'm kind of slacking on the uh, the viewership there in terms of Mr. Shyamalan, so I'll do better next time. But this film piqued my interest and it's a reason why I wanted to talk about it because I think it's an interesting story. Are you a fan of these types of movies? This is kind of dubbed as a kind of a horror slash thriller. And as you know, typical M. Night movies go there's always a twist in there or a change in the plot that makes you kind of want to see it through to the end. Usually you get these twists at the end of his movies, but um, yeah, Knock at the Cabin. It's based on the book by Paul Tremblay, which is called The Cabin at the End of the World, and it tells the story of a couple, two husbands and their adopted daughter, going off to a cabin in the woods, and then they are, I want to say terrorised, but they're held captive by four strangers who want them to perform a certain act to save the world, quote unquote. Now, in many ways, this kind of plays out in a similar kind of vibe to another cabin based movie, The Cabin in the Woods. Now, I know they're both two completely different movies. Cabin in the Woods is more of a horror homage to our favorite characters from various horror franchises, told in a kind of comedic fashion. This is a more kind of serious toned movie, but with similar kind of elements. You know, there's a post-apocalyptic ending going to happen and it can only be stopped by sacrifices being made. Now, if you haven't seen it yet, as with all of my episodes, I will issue right now a very important spoiler alert. Obviously, go back, see the movie, get your own opinions and come back and listen to me and see what you, know, what you think about what I'm saying about it, whether you agree or disagree. Please see it. Please watch it and then come and listen to me. So yeah, so it's based on a book. Like with most adaptations, they do some changes in there. But generally, the main core of the book is kind of predominantly used in this movie. And as I say, it's a pair of husbands and their daughter. And they're being asked to perform certain acts in order to save the world. And certain acts, what I mean by that is they're expected to sacrifice one of their group in order to stop essentially the end of the world. Different parts of plagues and whatnot that could affect the human race which can apparently be stopped by a sacrifice and again it's why i mentioned cabin in the woods because similar kind of thing you know they they expect someone to be sacrificed in order to stop you know a giant supernatural entity from destroying the world now the strangers in question are led by one dave batista you know an actor who's done really well in his own right moving from the wrestling world into hollywood acting much in the same kind of um being as the likes of Dwayne Johnson, John Cena, and others, taking that leap and doing really well. Dave Batista, especially, you know, he's been seen in films like, you know, the re- more recent Blade Runner, which I think was the last thing I saw him in. I know he's been in other films since, but that's the most recent one that I've seen him in was Blade Runner 2049. And of course, Knock at the Cabin. He's really, really coming across on screen as a really well respected actor. In this particular role, he plays the character called Leonard, who's a teacher teacher of children but he's still this huge hulking mass of a man but he's quite sympathetic to the fact that what he's asking of this couple is quite life-changing and quite traumatic four strangers come to this cabin tie up the husbands characters by the name of eric and andrew who are played by uh, jonathan groff and ben aldrich and they're asked by these four strangers this is leonard as mentioned a character called redmond played by one rupert grint who you'll know from the harry potter franchise we have Sabrina, played by Nikki Amuka-Bird, is it? And we have Adrian, played by Abby Quinn. These four strangers who are seamlessly, you know, not connected in any way, come to the house, tie the couple up, and are wielding weapons, which they've made themselves. We're talking like a like a spade with a fork attached to it, some kind of weird chain with a hammer on it. These quite imposing weapons that are kind of terrifying them. And they're, they're being told, this couple, they have to sacrifice someone in the group. So either themselves or their daughter, I assume, in order to stop a series of events destroying the world and their lack of belief of this. These four strangers have said, please make the decision. You know, we can't influence you in any way. We can't hurt you. We can't attack you. But you must decide to sacrifice one of you in order to save us or there will be consequences. And there's a serious amount of doubt in this. You know, if some stranger pins you to a floor and says you must kill yourself in order to save the world, you're not going to believe these people. And we see this play out really well the lack of belief from what they're saying. They think these guys are delusional, you know, schizophrenic, psychotic, however you want to you know, use that particular terminology. But essentially four strangers are asking two people they've just met to kill each other for the benefit of humanity. I mean, what do you say when something like that happens? You know, they're, they're terrori- terrorized. Sorry. They're terrified and they're being told they have to die to save the rest of the planet. Like a lot of the sequences that play out, Eric and Andrew say, you know, we don't believe you, you know, to the hell with the rest of the world. We we want to survive and you're not going to make us do these things. But as the movie plays out and as each attempt to have them sacrifice themselves fails, one by one, each member of the group of four strangers has to be killed because of a lack of sacrificing. And it's it's done in a kind of typical M. Night Shyamalan way because you see what would be quite a gruesome death sequence. But as the camera kind of pans away, So it's more of that implied kind of um, graphic violence. You, You do see the aftermath of it. You see blood spatter or dripping blood, that kind of thing, but it's always done off camera, so you don't see the physical deaths. But every time they're asked to sacrifice themselves, you know, Dave and the gang, as I'm going to call them, are killed off one by one, having stated, you know, a part of humanity has been judged and then one of their number is killed and then they try again the following day. It's the same result. Will you now sacrifice yourself? No, somebody's going to be killed. And it's this gradual kind of, I suppose, convincing of an opinion. You have um, the two husbands there and their total lack of disbelief, or total lack of belief, I should say. And gradually, through a series of violence and threats and whatnot, they're being shown that if you don't sacrifice yourself, this is what happens And they show. News reports of things such as like tsunamis taking, taking a lot of lives, planes falling from the sky, plagues, you know, not, not too dissimilar from the likes of our, you know, there are mentioned it. COVID virus that killed a lot of people, instantly wiping out a lot of humanity. But they still don't believe these things. They think these are just manufactured news reports to convince them. They think these four people are some kind of like terrorist group or a cult. But you get their perspective of it. These four strangers have got lives of their own. They tell us who they are, what their lives are. One being a teacher, one being a nurse, one being a cook, and one being, um, he worked for the gas company. So they work in kind of key roles, you know, medical power education you know food and health that kind of thing and they're pleasing their cases you know they've all got their own lives and they want to you know go see their children and whatnot and all they would have to do is sacrifice one of their well the couple have sacrifice sacrifice each other to save billions on the planet and the constant trying to convince i found it a good back and forth between both the couple the you know eric and andrew the husbands and the four main characters who are making them sacrifice themselves you could see that they don't want to do this, but they've been compelled to do it. They've been given visions of death in the world. And the only way to stop it is for having someone sacrifice himself. And again, I keep going back to Cabin in the Woods, but it's the same kind of vibe for me. You know, a group of people must be sacrificed to save the entire planet. I know it's not a comparison. They're both different genres completely, but um, it was the first thing that came to mind, you know, the cabin environment, the sacrificial need for people to go. And the the impending doom, the apocalypse coming. It was an interesting story. But what I did find fascinating was that the movie had grossed over fifty four million dollars. I mean, that's a hell of a lot of money, especially for this kind of movie. You know, you're not typically expecting those kind of numbers or something that isn't tip isn't your typical kind of horror movie. I know your main kind of franchise. You know, you saw you saw franchises and you on Elm Street and anything with a big blockbuster or a continuation does tend to generate a lot more money. But this is. An interesting adaptation that really has drawn a lot of people in, and I think it's the fact that the cast has done really well. Granted, maybe a third of the actors were were very well known to me, but a very small amount of actors in the main in the whole film all did their part in key scenes. I think it does help that we're given some flashbacks as well during the the sequences where the husbands are tied to chairs. You know, their their thoughts are drifting away to how they met or how they adopted their daughter or how certain characters have interacted with them before. You see scenes when one of them was attacked in a bar by some guy in a hat and a beard. It's later we found out that Rupert Grint's character, Redmond, was that that character who who attacked um, uh, Andrew with a bottle on his head and put him into hospital. But you don't kind of catch on to that till towards the end of the movie. M. Night Shyamalan, of course, did his traditional cameo. He always features in his movies in some way in this instance it was on a shopping channel promoting some kind of like an air fryer or a deep fryer or something like that they were talking about how crispy this chicken was so it's nice that he still got to put his face on screen and, in some kind of way it's, it's nice when a director can cameo in, in a movie but um it's an interesting one you get you get scenes where as they're refusing constantly to kill each other you see the damage it's causing you know we see the tsunamis on home home video footage or phone footage of People being killed that way, but then I'm wondering how did the footage get out? You know, you see someone using their phone to film on a beach. They're swept away by a tsunami, but the footage has gone to the news station. It's why there's an element of doubt. These news reports are conveniently placed onto the screen when no one's been killed. So that's why they doubt so much. You see planes falling, which is always a harrowing experience. But it's global. You see something like 700 planes that suddenly drop from the sky, and people are being killed left, right, and center. There's catastrophe everywhere, and again in response to, one by one, the four people being killed off as a, re- as a result of them saying, no, they don't want to kill themselves. But slowly you see Eric starting to believe what he's hearing and what he's seeing. During the movie, he'd taken a concussion to the head, and he believes that certain flashes of light were part of this concussion. He's seeing things, but he's adamant he can see a figure, he can see light when these deaths are happening. So he's starting to believe that something is out there, something is, is compelling these guys to do what they're doing. You know, we're given these supposed gruesome deaths and then the bodies are being taken away. We see the heartfelt pleading of the four strangers and how they really just want to get back to their lives and help save people. And we see the conflict, you know, between the couple and the situations that they're in. You know, like I said earlier, if you're told you must kill yourself in order to save billions, what would you do? Would you want to walk around a desolate planet to save yourself or would you rather end your own life and have billions continue theirs and keep the planet going. It's a hard one to believe without actual, you know, tangible evidence, but you get that towards the end with the constant saying no and the, and the killing of the characters. When they do escape this cabin, you can see things like planes fall into the sky. You can see lightning striking the trees. You can see death happening everywhere. But on the flip side of that, you do get kind of a heartwarming end sequence, you know, but during the flashback scenes, you see how uh, Eric and Andrew and their adopted daughter when we're going on a car journey and they had some music playing in the car. that they were all dancing and singing along too. And getting to the end of the movie, we see Eric, played by Jonathan Groff, decides that he wants to do the right thing and he wants his life to be taken. As a result, we do lose Eric and it's down to Andrew and when to survive. And they get to a vacant vehicle that the strangers have left abandoned with all the information inside, like keys and where they're from and so on. And as they get into the car, what comes on the stereo with that same song that they all listen to as a family? And it's kind of like a, I suppose, a nice nod to the fact that there's been a sacrifice made and they've lost their loved one. As they're driving away, they can see things are improving. You know, the tsunamis have gone, the plagues lifted, planes are landing safely, lives are being saved. So they start to believe what's happened. Obviously, they've seen all this evidence now, and suddenly they realise that they have done the right thing. But in typical my Shyamalan way, we're given misdirection, we're given implied violence or implied scenes that we fill in the blanks ourselves. it's what's good about his particular style of directing you know when you look at things like signs where it's about aliens but you don't actually see them really they're kind of in the background or the spin or the twist i should say on the sixth sense with the fact that it's bruce willis this whole time who was actually dead sorry for spoiling that for you if you haven't seen it by the way or in the village you know they they're living these lives of an ancient, you know, family, but they're actually in modern day times, just in a, a national park. Um, like I said, I've not seen many of his films, but there's always that twist in there or that plot spin where something suddenly, oh yeah, this means this or this means that. It was a good storytelling, and one I was compelled to see to the end. As I say, Dave Batista for me was was the standout actor playing Leonard. You can see he's quite timid, and he's quite shy. Well, not maybe not shy. He's quite timid and he's quite held back and reserved, and he's this huge big guy, but he's gentle. He, you know he's a, he's a teacher of children and he just wants to help people but he's being made to do this horrific thing because the planet is at stake i mean i don't know how i'd react if i got such a vision but i can safely say that i enjoyed this movie it's one i can really 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 recommend if you like thrillers with a twist if you like slight horror vibes it's well worth seeing i've not read the book it's based on but i do believe that the ending of the book differs to the movie in most cases this happens you know when we make movies they do change things in the book just for the benefits of entertainment, I guess. But from what I gather, it's fairly close to the content of the book. Do give it a well. Do let me know what you think. Again, it's been another little little mini chat from me. Just a voice an opinion on a movie that's um, recently been watched by myself and hopefully more to come. Are you enjoying the podcast? If so, get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. You know how to get in touch with me by an hour. It's all that David A. 10 minutes. Let me know what you think. Good, bad. Great opinions, bad opinions. I'm happy to receive all of it. If you want to be on the show, again, reach out. I'm always looking for new guests, someone new to chat to, so get in touch. And hopefully, you know, we can make an amazing podcast episode together. That's all for me for now, though. Thank you very much for your time. As always, it's nice to get a chance to talk to you. And I'll be back soon with more episodes. For now, though, goodbye from me. Take care of yourselves, and I'll speak to you soon.